This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It's the PowerCat Questions podcast, every Wednesday at GoPowerCat.com, except for the days when it's on Tuesday. Or Thursday. But this week it's on Wednesday. Like we promise, you ask, we answer, and we have an interesting lineup of questions. People are all kinda, Super Bowl. It's all Super Bowl. People are a little uh, weary right now of K State basketball and where it's headed, which is into the not good zone. CBI. Into the CBI. I don't even think they're, they'd have to do some miraculous work to CBI this crap. Does you have to be over 500? You never take a CBI bid, first off. Not with this team. I mean, it would help the young guys, but you've got things yeah. that you just want this to be over. Kansas State is now 9-13 and 2-7 and and overall, so if they make a miraculous run and win five games in the back half, they will still be well under 500. NIT sailed at this point. Oh, yeah. They... They'd have to do something incredible. I mean, if they would go seven and two like Oklahoma State did, Bruce said that on post game. Oklahoma State started up two and seven in Underwood and finished seven and two to get nine nine to get in the tournament. If they went seven okay. and two, they would be sixteen and fifteen. Is that right? Yeah. I might get him in the NIT. I probably wouldn't be comparing my team to Brad Underwood's team if I was Bruce Weber, but yeah, that's I just I thought me. that was a little uncomfortable. Eesh. We are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They've sponsored us for many years. They are very good people and an outstanding store. Get into their store here in Manhattan with all of your liquor and party needs at the corner of this and that. I, I Literally, it's become now I blank out. At the corner of Westport and Claflin. There you go. In Manhattan, Kansas, in the Flint Hills. It's like you got to put 10,000 hours into something to be perfect at it. You have said this and that or these streets so many times that uh-huh. that sounds right to you now. It does. You've practiced it too much. Would you put 10,000 hours into something to be really good at it? Drinking. That's my kid right there. Sure. I would do it. Not drinking. What would it be? Golf. 10,000 hours... What level could you reach at 10,000 hours of golf? The PGA Tour. <laughs> you you would be on the tour. Don't, Don't you have to have something? 10,000 hardcore dedicated hours, not just playing golf. I think it would be 10,000 hours before you'd sniff a pro tour. Range balls for hours. I mean, not just playing a round of golf every day over the course of however long. Insane practice. I bet you'd be there. 
I bet you if I did podcasting for 10,000 hours, I would achieve averageness. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of hours to listen to podcasts. What Maybe do you dream of? I dream of average. Mediocre. Go for gold, settle road. for bronze. Just getting by. And really, when you talk about K-State basketball, that's kind of <laughs> what you're thinking. <laughs> Boy, we'd take mediocre right now. It's been a rough season, and a big reason why it has been a rough season is a lack of solid leadership from this team. I mean, they're getting leadership. It's just not good leadership. It's kind of negative leadership. And in our first half of the PowerCat podcast this week, we're sponsored in this half by Tanners, by the way. Tanners participating in Super Bowl riots since 2020. I hope Tanner's is okay. I hope all the businesses are okay. I think they're fine. I think it was a peaceful riot, except for the chanting of the FKU, which I don't quite understand. Interesting. Don't. I saw someone got arrested for climbing street signs in Aggieville. Well, they should. (laughs) How would you know not to park there if you wrecked that sign? I think I meant more like the sidewalk ones with the the green poles that have the banners on them. A light pole, not a street sign? Well, they have the the banners on them. That's a light pole, though. Oh, it is? a light on it. Oh, okay. Just doing pull-ups on it and everything. Well, good for him. That's impressive. I think he should be arrested for showing off his guns. So the big news of Monday night in the mini Monday game. It wasn't big Monday. That was Texas at Kansas on ESPN. It was mini Monday on ESPN, too. I prefer when mini Monday is at 6 p.m. So they're not at the same damn time. It was a Monday. (laughs) Mini Monday. Uh, Kansas State played valiantly. Later in the game and cut it to six and pissed off a bunch of gamblers. That's what you get, <laughs> Parker. That's what you get. Seventy-three, sixty-seven. The spread was seven. The old what's known as the backdoor cover. Kansas State fell behind as much as sixteen points in this game. In fact, we're down sixteen seven minutes into this game and then outscored Baylor by ten the rest of the way. But you can't start that poorly. But during the process of this, Cartier Jada missed a shot, wanted a foul called. There was no foul. Said the magic word. I don't know what he said. I was told he said the the F word. Okay. And John Higgins teed him up. So that put Fran Fraschilla, ESPN analyst, into motion with a very harsh evaluation of Cartier Jada. But if you really stop and think about it, he kind of nailed it. And now a technical foul has been ass- assessed to number two from the Wildcats, Cartier Jada. Yeah, this young man who has outstanding talent has been coming off the bench as of late. And listen, I like this kid. He's a great story. But the body language, and he's, I, I talked to him in the fall when I came to practice. I, I, don't think his mind is, I don't think his mind is with Kansas State. I really don't. I think his mind is... is, is uh, playing professional basketball, in my opinion, this is a mistake for him. This is a real mistake. He's blowing an opportunity to be a very good college player. Your reaction, really? Uh, we told you so. We saw this coming from a mile away. And I'm not shocked at all. Fran's a smart guy. He can see it. But it didn't take a smart guy to see this with Cartier. And it wasn't just the T. That got it. It was. This has been one thing adding up to another, and the T was just on a big scale because they were playing number one Baylor. 
Oh, we've been saying something's up with Cardi since the start of the season. I mean, he's just got bad, bad body language, rolling his eyes as his coach, barking at teammates, uh, not a positive leader, really has a uh, me-first mentality on the court way too often, um, and Fran unloaded. But uh, that that clip was what made the headlines, but Fran wasn't done. Upon watching the uh, replay of the supposed foul, it was obvious there was no foul there. It was clean. And Cardi was reacting harshly to John Higgins for something that he just wanted to be bailed out from a bad shot. Noted earlier this week on the Insiders podcast, Kellis Robinette said, look at the other four guys on the court who all walk away in disgust as if they knew that once again Cardi was making it about Cardi and not about team. But here is the ESPN team and Fran Fraschilla. Adding a little bit more about Cardiagiata. Well, let's take a look. Here is what caused the officials to call the yeah. technical foul. There's no foul there. So he gets up, and he's drawing with a Final Four official. Yeah, you don't do that with John Higgins. No, you, you just don't do it with anybody. And it's unfortunate because he's got a lot of talent, and he's wasting it right now. There's a reason he's been benched, and they're using him to come off the bench. He's turnover prone, and he's not locked into the team, in my opinion. I'm going to try hard to not step because we got some questions here, so I don't want to step on them. But uh, that last sentence where he throws in, in my opinion, pretty telling, I think. I think he had a nice long chat with Bruce Weber about Cartier Jada before this game. Well, I agree. But he's probably talked to him a number of times. Oh, yeah. Been in Manhattan a couple times. but What I was getting at is this is not just Fran Fraschella coming from the outside and saying, oh, you don't argue with John Higgins. This is not just Fran Fraschilla having an axe to grind with a player, and this is not just us blowing up a problem bigger than it actually is. This is a real problem. This is something coaches have noticed. His teammates are starting to turn on him, and it's going to get worse if something doesn't change. The, the problem is they don't have anything. They can't play without him. They don't have guys on the bench. They don't even have a walk-on that can come in and play guard. They just don't have that. They need him for the player rotation, or they're just flat in big trouble if you get any foul trouble in the course of a game, which in the Big 12 you do. Those refs called everything last night, which is ironic. They didn't, that was clearly not a foul, but they called a lot of other stuff that weren't fouls. <laughs> oh, you breathed. Foul. I mean, it went both ways. It was just a miserable experience. Well, it, uh, I don't disagree with anything Brand said. Some people are upset, and let's get to the questions from Wabash Station and address some of those thoughts and feelings from people that might have posted at Wabash Station, and here we go. From Jim Cat, what did you think of Frasilla's comments about Jada, even if true, is it okay for announcers to go after a player? Absolutely, it is okay. Absolutely. They are not a high school kid that tried out for the team. They're not just there because they have to be. They're there. They know what they're getting themselves into. And if if it was something else, you know, if it was Dean Wade playing really, really good and Fran wasn't saying nice things about him because he was trying to stay biased or unbiased, you would be mad that he wasn't saying really good things about Dean Wade. So it's... You lose a lot of a lot of your I'm going to use the word rights, I guess, and I don't know if that's right to use that word, but when you become a college player, especially at the D1 Power 5 level and you're on ESPN all the time, you want the praise, you got to take the the right. the criticism as it comes and and if you can't handle it and if you're a fan that can't handle it, I'm sorry, but that's what comes with it. You're getting a full ride scholarship and you're on national television at all times. You have a brand out there. 
I mean, it's it'd be like you know, people that that tweet at me, for example. You know, I'm kind of younger than a lot of people, and some might some people might call me a kid. But when you enter into certain things, you kind of put yourself out there, and and you get that criticism. You know what kids grow up to be? Men. Goats. Oh. And you're going to be the goat. Is that so? I think so. Hey, look, I have no problem. His job is to analyze the game. This wasn't out of left field. This wasn't, hey, I'm going to just tee off on this player. He reacted to something that took place in the game, an emotional technical foul called on a player who was right there in front of Fran Fraschilla, showing bad body language, pouting, disgusted, cursing. Boom. Analyze what's happening on the court. Fran does it. Made some people mad. He wasn't wrong about anything. He wasn't wrong about a thing he said. Was he spoon-fed it? You can go into that. I mean, you can think that maybe Bruce gave him all that and it just kind of regurgitated out. But I'll say this. It was true. It was spot on. We've been talking about it all season long. And if you're a fan, you need to welcome these things. I mean, you you don't want people taking cheap shots at your players, but that was fair analysis. That was he was very fair about that. Harsh, strong worded, but saying that he's blowing an opportunity, he is, he is, and you're not doing him any service to sit there and say, oh, he's fine, because we can see what's happening with this team. This team isn't performing up to the levels you want it to perform at. Well, there's reasons, and here here's one of the reasons. Do we think Cartier could be gone after this year? I'm convinced of it now. That was the nail in the coffin for me. I'm convinced of it, and I've been saying all along um, that I he'll be graduated and he can grad transfer. But if, let's say, Fran got this information from talking to Bruce or one of the assistant coaches or someone around the program, bringing in the aspect of, pro makes me think Cardi's told people, I'm out of here. I'm going to go play in the NBA. I should be in the NBA. I should be playing professional basketball. Folks, he's not an NBA player. (laughs) Never will be. I mean, if he put in the due diligence of a Roddy Magruder and learned how to handle the ball better and shoot the ball better and be a better player, not just a freak athlete, he might have a shot. He might make himself into an NBA player. But the guy we're watching... I don't know what level he's going to play in Europe. I don't think he's the developmental league. I don't know where he's going to be in the basketball universe, but I don't think it'll be at Kansas State next season. They usually say the saying goes, where there's smoke, there's fire. And the smoke was the comments, the eye rolls, all that stuff. The fire, to me, was in the postgame. And, you know, it's we'll get to the sound. The sound isn't relevant to what I'm saying right now. What what Bruce Weber didn't do in the postgame press conference was come out and say, I don't know what Fran Fraschilla said, but all I know is that Cartier Jada is a member of our team. He's dedicated. He wants to be here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He could have said that. He could have given the coach speak line, shut it down. There wouldn't have been a story. And that would have made everything blow over. It would have been, you know, oh, well, Fran might have said this, but Bruce said this. He didn't do any of that. And that's what's very telling to me because that means either, one, Bruce has decided it, or two, there's been a lot of conversations going on about this. Like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I think this fire is very, very clear clearly burning right there 
What does it do to next year's team if Cartier is gone? Not that much. No. Uh, look, folks, um, if you're really following along here, you know the level of talent that's coming in. And they're still out there looking at guards. Why are they looking at guards? Well, this is probably why. They'd like to have another guy that can be a 2-3, maybe fill in at the 1 if needed. But they've got some young guards. They'll have David Sloan back. You lose what should be a positive influence on younger players. You lose what should be your best player all around. But it's not those things. He's not those things. He has opted to go in a different direction, which seems to me to be, hey, it's about me. What what can I get out of this? Now, I'm really bothered by this because this is the second time we've seen a, what I thought was a really good young man take a sudden, unexpected turn uh, in Bruce's program. And I think there's fair criticism for Bruce Weber that maybe he's missing some signs in the offseason that something's going wrong with his players. I don't think he'll be back, and I don't think K-State will ever look back and ever once say, boy, what if Cartier Jada was on this team? They are looking forward with the young guys, and we're starting to see that in the player rotations. Now, I'll tell you this. It'll be a, it'll be a talking point for the, the national people or the outsiders. It'll be, oh, K-State lost, whatever, he's averaging 14 points a game or something like that, and, and everybody will say, how do they replace Cartier Jada? The, things would not have been that different. If uh, it would be that, I shouldn't. I shouldn't act like it's already happened. But things won't be that different if he's gone, because the way that I look at it is, you've already established your starting lineup right now. You've got David Sloan at the point. You've got uh, Dejuan Gordon playing the two, and it's clear that Bruce is all bought in on the future of this team. You get Nigel Pack in here, and you have David Sloan training for the future. That's all you got to do. So do you lose the points? Yeah, but they're going to come from somewhere else. These other players are going to take a step forward. And frankly, I, I'm, I'd almost be willing to say it'll be better in the future. I mean, that's what we all said about Marcus Foster, right? You, you lost a heck of a talent. You lost a lot of points, a lot of assists, things like that. And yet K-State was better off in the future for having parted ways. So I think it could absolutely be better for K-State. From Contra Cat, has Bruce given up on Cardi? Well, no, not totally. I mean, he's still playing him. I think giving up is just get out of here. We're better off with you, without you, even if we don't have enough players. And it might come to that. I think he's given up on Cardi for next season. I mean, he's still putting Cartier Jada in positions to help the team. I mean, he, he played a lot of minutes against Oklahoma. He played a lot of minutes. How many minutes did he play last night against Baylor or Monday night against Baylor? Uh, oh, these new stats throw me off. 21-24. David Sloan played 21-56. Almost identical. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, no, he hasn't given up on him. He's trying to get everything he can out of him. But late in the game against Baylor, when they needed a big shot, Cardi was always willing to take it even if it wasn't a good shot. I want to hit this shot. Me. And there's a right way to go about that, and there's a wrong way to go about that. And he seems to be going about it the wrong way. I, yeah, no, I don't think if he had given up already on this season, he would have. It would have been a, a Christmas split or something like that. You know, at some point, Cardi would have left the team. But and and I don't think you know if Cartier Jada walked into the office tomorrow with Bruce and said, "I know I've been not all there. 
I want to make this right, you know, whatever. I think Bruce might work with him to, mm-hmm. to try to keep him around. I, I think if he really showed that he was changed, he would make try to make it happen. Um, but I also don't think Bruce, I think Bruce has internally decided I'm not calling him up anytime soon and begging him to change and switch and stay because I think we can be just fine without him. In fairness to Bruce, if someone doesn't want help, doesn't want to change their ways, doesn't want to correct their behaviors into a more positive way of influencing his team, he can't force him to do it. He cannot change a kid by force. And it seems like Cardi thinks he's smarter than the coaches. And I'm, I'm just going to say it. He's not, man. He's not. He's, he's doing nothing but harm to potential future basketball opportunities. I mean, if you're an employer, whether that's an NBA team, a developmental league team, some guy in Spain or in Israel, what other far corner can you play in? China. Do you want this guy on your roster? Is he that good? Is he worth that trouble? No. No, he's not. He's not. I mean, there's some guys in the league I can't stand that I think are all about themselves. But you can't deny their numbers and productivity. They're all-stars. They bug me. I wouldn't want to be a teammate with them. But this kid isn't that, unfortunately. He could be if he really bared down and, and got it done and focused on the right things. But right now it's all about him. From Dr. J54, some are saying Bruce threw Cardi under the bus. Did they forget about Cardi yelling at other players, his body language, etc.? That's the thing is it's not all about Bruce's relationship with Cardi and Cardi's relationship with Bruce. It's, yeah. it's about there's four other guys on the floor at all times, and there's seven other guys on the bench that come to work every day, and they're not in any different situation than Cardi's in right now. I you know I just actually saw somebody <clears throat> tweet it's like. I think it'd be tough for any player to be bought in right now with the way this is going. And that's fair, and I understand that thinking. But every other player on this roster, I believe, is bought in still. Now they, they obviously know it's not going to result in a lot of success, but they they understand it's going to take some time. They trust Bruce, and I haven't seen that type of action out of anybody else. And so that's where, that's where it comes into, no, you didn't throw him under the bus because – it's not like Bruce just one day decided, eh, I think I'm probably going to be about done with Cartier. Let's define throwing under the bus. To me, throwing under the bus is allocating blame on someone who doesn't deserve the blame. And Cardi does that to his teammates. He makes a bad pass or makes a bad decision. You can see him immediately saying, well, you should have been there. You should have done this. You should have, you know, and that's throwing someone under the bus. Allocating proper blame to them and holding them accountable for their actions, their attitude, and their play is not throwing someone under the bus. That's holding them accountable. Bruce has been very forward about it. I mean, for some of you, you apparently think a coach shouldn't say anything bad about a player in public ever, ever, and I don't buy into that. I don't think they should throw him under the bus. Uh, You know, we lost this game because this kid didn't do this one thing, ignoring that the 50 other things that went wrong in the game. That's throwing someone under the bus. But how they're playing, how they're approaching their game, how they're relating to their teammates. If it's crappy, say it's crappy. And it's crappy. It just is. It's just it's just coming to a head before the season's over. And unfortunately, it, it could really 
really tear apart the rest of this season, if you can even look at it this way. Look, they've got a lot of winnable games here in the second half of the Big 12 schedule. And they got Iowa State and Oklahoma State twice each. So there's winnable games here. You don't want to see it fly apart. You don't want to see it damage the future. And I think the young guys, the four newcomers, and some of the other guys of this team are like, we're just done with you, dude. We're just we're going to play as a team. And when you're on the court, we expect you to be be there for us. But we'll move on. It's just the way it is. From Get Out More Cat, last question of the first half. How much of this is on Bruce for not having a better option? I mean, yeah, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. It's it, fair. It is fair, absolutely. However, the, it's not, the simple. The solution's not that simple, you know. I, even if there was a better option to play out there, it doesn't take away from the fact that what has happened happened. I mean, Cartier was a, a solid signing. They liked him when they got him. He's been good for for two years here. You know it. This is not just a, a simple manner of, oh, well, hey, if we had somebody else better, we wouldn't have to worry about it. It's still an issue. Well, I think the point being is that they've under-recruited. There should be another yeah. guard on this roster. There should be someone else. Or I think you should always have a walk-on point guard. You should always have someone in your back pocket on that bench um, who's scoring a 4.0 and driving up your academics and understands the system and if forced into action will go out there and do the right things to the best of his ability to finish out a game. So not having any other options, not ha- not being able to just dismiss the young man and say, look, you don't want to be here, don't be here. We're going to play the walk-ons. We're going to play this guy. They're, there's no one else. They're playing everyone they can in the guard position. It's what losing a guy like Sean Williams does. I mean, Sean Williams wasn't. That's a great point. Sean Williams was not a standout point guard, and I don't think he was ever going to be a standout point guard. But he was doing just fine um, in the in the time that he was able to play. I think he had a lot of potential and could still be molded into something. And if you start David Sloan and you play him 24 minutes a game and you give Sean 12, I mean, you're good. you can manage if you have him there. But what happened with Sean? He lost another kid because he couldn't buy in, couldn't keep his focus, misrecruited the kid because he wasn't all there. So, yeah, no, I just – it's upsetting, and, and that's why you got to be hopeful for the future. You know, Nigel Pack seems like a great kid on, on the surface, seems very bought in and uh, has been dedicated to K-State from the day he committed. So – you just kind of put all that hope in the future and you hope that that's the direction it's going to keep heading and and you don't go through this again. You can't keep going through this, man. Even if, even if Cardi doesn't, let's hypothetically say Cardi stays. It doesn't erase what has happened here. It doesn't erase that he was supposed to be a potential. There were people that wanted him to be on the first team, all big 12 season in the preseason this year because of what he did last year. No, but he was good. He was supposed to be pushing for that level. He was supposed to be one of the better players on this team and potentially make some noise in the Big 12. And that's what's frustrating about it is this has all happened. In the second half of this week's PowerCat podcast, we're going to bite off some more basketball and a whole bunch of football. But as we go to break, let's hear from Bruce Weber himself on his thoughts about Fran Fraschilla and Cartier Jada. I think that's it's, it's tough for all young men that are – going into their senior year because they're worried about their you know they're worried about the future and and we've talked about it with all all our guys you 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 can't worry about yesterday you can't worry about tomorrow you got to worry about today and you know it's 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 really a tough thing um you know i i, I 
you know, it's just, it's, it's to deal with that, the future, the expectations. I, 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 I love these guys. I want them to be successful. I want them to be, but I wa also want them to, you got to earn that. And you do that through what you do daily and things, whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and that's, it's hard for kids to see that. Uh, because there's so much noise, so many people talking to them, and it makes it hard. It's, it's not just Cardi, it's, it's a lot of kids in the country. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. We return to the PowerCat Questions podcast from the WTC gig-powered studios in Manhattan, Kansas. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Get into The Fridge for all of your beverage and party needs. The Fridge right here in Manhattan, Kansas. Best liquor store I've been in in my entire life. It's not like I'm out wandering around checking out liquor stores. Let's what? be honest. It's not like barbecue. I mean, I'll go eat other barbecue and then say Kansas City Barbecue is the best. It's not like I'm on vacation. I'm like, hey, let's go to a liquor store. But yeah, I was, in, I was in Hayes this weekend and went to a liquor store, too. And they're fine. Nice places. I'm sure lovely people that own them. They're but trying. The fridge has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I greatly underestimated the amount of things I was going to need, so that's why I didn't have enough from the fridge. Thank you. But they were fine places, but there's no question that the the size and the price and everything else at the fridge. Very good. We're also sponsored by the High Low. We promised we were going there for lunch last week. We didn't do it. We got started way too late. Yeah, we did. We ran into a press conference that we had to, those guys had to be at. What was it last week? Just Bruce? Uh, Bruce and Mike. Mike. Mm. We could have skipped it. <laughs> In hindsight, yes. Why weren't you at the press conference? We just really wanted lunch. We decided the high-low was in our future. Get the high-low. Great burgers, incredible pizza, AJ's Pizza, if you don't know that. Mm, 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 mm. And craft cocktails. If you're into craft cocktails, they had some wild holiday drinks. I wonder if you could get like the kind of like a lot of holiday drinks out there that bars make. Like ask for them whenever. Well, but see, the thing was, is every drink had one of those ingredients. You read the the you know what like they a said peppermint was, something. Well, but then it would be something like 
What the hell is that? <laughs> a liqueur made from possum bits. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I really Ooh. hope they didn't serve that. No. Get in the high-low. They don't serve possum. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag ad. Well, Jess, that advertising is really paying off. This is the Questions Podcast. You ask at Wabash Station. Uh, at Wabash Station. We answer on this podcast. Wow. And here goes Zach with your questions. From Jim Cat. Regarding the flagrant foul on Xavier Sneed at West Virginia, are we going to get exaggerated calls for every potential problem foul now? And both games since the battle, it looks like fouls are being called very close. I don't think. That had much to do with it. Yeah. I think. Look, it that whole Xavier like the tie up thing was really weird. He looked like he was, he had that guy in a headlock and was intentionally bringing him down. And then you watch the replay and you're like, oh no, he's just being a human falling to the ground looking for anything to grab onto. I don't think it. I don't think they said, oh K State, we got to call call a call flagrant, flagrant. That way it doesn't start in another fight. Yeah, it was kind of annoying. Although that one ref was ready for a fight, he. He's he exaggerated that. He was like, "Oh, got it." No, I wouldn't be worried about it. Refs so much anymore. Just into the making the big call. I saw that suggestion that they get rid of the arm pump call for a charge because the thought being, refs just love doing the dramatic arm pump and they're making bad calls. Eh, okay. I believe it. These guys have really kind of become stars in their own right. We all know John Higgins. We all know these guys. Now, let me say this. I'm going to go ahead and venture to guess, just already, and this is probably predetermined, that Higgins and Pollard are going to be on the call here in Manhattan for the Sunflower Showdown, too. Ah, man, Jerry Pollard used to be so good, and now it's just so about him and quick tease and but you're probably right it's gonna be higgins and pollard or higgins and self or uh sermons i mean it's gonna be somebody higgins was in lawrence though right was he, yeah, he was, yes yeah. he was so they usually don't yeah they'll rotate him out you can't do both of them they typically don't they don't usually overlap i just feel like he's always in manhattan i wouldn't i wouldn't be counting it out just yet it'll be kip <laughs> Regardless, what I'm getting at is there will be some ref that has a bit of an ego, as we know some of these guys do. Mm -hmm. And considering what happened in Lawrence, I believe it will be called very tightly. I believe every heated situation is going to have a very short leash. There might be a couple technicals thrown out in that game. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to. It's going to be one of the technicals will be on the crowd for being. Too crowdy. Having fun. Having fun. I, I hope K-State doesn't. Apparently, there's a rumor that KU fans showed up to the next game wearing the Barstool shirt. that So they took like the NBA logo, but instead of the of Jerry West, it was Silvio holding the Barstool over his head. Somebody said that they made fans take those shirts off. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I hope if anything like that comes into K-State and comes into Bramers Coliseum, I hope K-State doesn't. Do that because it's that's not obscene. That's ridiculous. That's just that's ridiculous. That's censorship. Oh, our image. Oh, we're KU. But I believe it. I hundred percent believe it. Oh, that's believe oh yeah. K State took away signs from kids one year. They weren't even bad signs. Ridiculous. But then they had the one sign. You know, 
six. The Dead Brain Daddy one? Yeah, well, Brain Rush, yeah. That, that chant started, too. <laughs> yeah. From KNED, future of hoops question of this year's newcomers and next year's recruiting classes, who can score, who is, or will quickly be a legit scorer? Well, I mean, I think I think Dejuan, once he gets his shot, mastered is a wrong word, but fine-tuned, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's there. He just got to fix it. Um, there's no question that Selton can score at a high level. I, I don't think he's had a single high school game where he's had under 20 points. I might be wrong, but it's been nearly every single game over. And um, Nigel's putting up 50% shot, uh, hitting 50% of his shots. I mean, no matter how big of a sample size you are, how many shots you take, if you're hitting 50% of them, you're <laughs> pretty damn good at them. So um, I think those three for sure. I think Luke Kazupki is going to get labeled. He's a good shooter. His three-point shooting in the summer was not elite. It was a low 30. Um, and AAU ball is different, obviously. So you don't want to lean on that too much. I think he's a good shooter, and I think he definitely can evolve into an elite shooter. But I don't think he's going to be Christian Brown at KU right now in year one, if that makes sense. I think Montavious Murphy, when he gets more muscle on him, he score. He still can score around the rim. I'm impressed with how he gets the ball up onto the glass, despite not being really strong. There's just a kind of he knows how to score. It's there, and he too needs to work on a shot. Antonio Gordon needs to work on a shot, but none of them are stiffs that can't score. That's what I like about it. They all can chip in, and that's we talked about this on the other podcast, the Insiders. That what makes Baylor good is they're interchangeable parts. There may not be one superstar. There's some guys that are really good. But they all kind of step in and do what they need to do. They answer when they need to answer. They defend when they need to defend. They're just well constructed and put together. And I think that's what we can start to see, maybe not next year, but the makings of that with this bunch. Moving on to some football questions from KSU number one. Signing day number two is coming up. Do you expect any surprises? I guess it's today, isn't it? This is a Wednesday podcast, so today... No. No. Might sign a guy. But I guess technically surprises you don't ever expect, ah, right? Good point. So, I they mean, just I just did their work early. And they had two guys that they were waiting on, you know, grades, as it turned out. And no, they're not. And they're not going to be here. No. Um, no, nah, it's going to be pretty uneventful. Maybe they land a transfer tomorrow or something like that. I mean, that, those moving parts are always happening. Um but no, it's just it's going to be a pretty uneventful signing day. However, I wouldn't say it's going to be an uneventful future few days of content because Ryan Wallace is working on some really cool stuff about really the kids that have already cool. signed. So, uh, really cool. You're going to want to be in be locked in for that one. Discuss how weird it is that the focus is all in December now. It is very weird. But, well, the thing is, like, I sat there and I texted our group. On Sunday or Monday night, and I was like, "What do we need to be like content-wise preparing for this?" And it's like, "Nothing." Well, I mean, you can do some stuff, but there's it's nothing. It's nowhere near like when we were a week of prep for the December one. And now, I mean, regardless, you're still doing stuff. You're still getting ready for one big signing day, so it's not like it's gone. But it's it's different in December. It's 
part of football. Yeah. You know, it's you just got done with the season. If you're a good team, you're ramping up for a bowl. If KU, you're doing skits. Uh, you know, and but when it was in February, it's clearly after football, and it's clearly not spring football yet. It was just kind of a standalone big event. And I don't think anyone envisioned the early signing period being the period. They, I think people thought, eh, maybe a third of the kids will sign and get it out of the way, and the rest will want to continue to take some visits, enjoy it. No, most of the kids, this says something. Most of the kids are like, no, I know where I want to go. Quit calling me. I'm signing in December. I like it overall. I like the ability that a kid can sign when he knows. I think it's good for the kid. I think it's good for the school. Um, I think it's good for us because we don't have to continue to find out if kids are going to decommit for two more months. Exactly. A kid should be able to – frankly, there should be like – kid commits in October of his senior year. Why can't he sign on the dotted line? Like I know I know you need a date. I know you need a period. I'm not suggesting it's a, it's an open – it should be open all year. But what what is the point in making them wait another three months to well, sign? I think that argument would be – uh, exactly. Why not an August signing period? Yeah. If I'm committed, I'm going to K-State, I want to sign. Why not let those kids sign? So, I mean, it's good. As a fan, if I had no stake in it, I kind of dislike it because it just takes away from the dramatics of it. And it gives me something football. You know, let's say I'm a K-State fan that has shipped it in, shipped it in on basketball and I'm really craving some football stuff. It's going to be a little bit not as exciting. So, I don't know. It's just a matter of opinion. It has changed just so suddenly. This just three or four years ago was such a big deal in our business, and now it's nothing. I mean, it was a little bit last year because it was a new staff. They were going to bring in some dudes. That was wild. We had two big signing days last year. From KNED, is the walk-on program as strong or maybe even stronger than it was under Snyder? Or do they just publicize it better? I think that's that's it. Yeah. They're, they're always getting preferred walk-ons. Although this level of walk-ons, I've contended the level of preferred walk-ons hasn't been as good as it was back in the day. And, you know, there may be a variety of reasons for that. The Jordy Nelsons of the world and the the B.J. Finney's of the world aren't going unmissed. They're not available to walk on. But they seem to be getting some pretty darn good preferred walk-ons. If you don't know what a preferred walk-on is, this. There's walk-ons and preferred walk-ons. When you open camp in August, you can have 105 guys there in your camp. So, you know, 85 scholarship guys and 20 preferred walk-ons. They can be there. And then the rest of the people, the other walk-ons, can't start practicing until school starts. So there's really something to be said to be a preferred walk-on. You're considered part of the roster even though you're not on scholarship. I mean, part of the full active roster. And I think, and I'm not saying that the last staff didn't do this, um, but I think this staff is doing a really good job of of going to these preferred walk-ons and saying, yes, it's not a scholarship, but we want you. You know, we think you can make an impact here and work your way potentially into a scholarship. Well, Chris Kleiman and, and the North Dakota State program has the culture of walk-ons just like Kansas State does, and frankly, probably just like Nebraska did because of Craig Bull. We're going to get those in-state guys, particularly linemen quite often, that maybe weren't quite physically developed, fell between the cracks. We're going to make them preferred walk-ons. We're going to bring them in. And when you're dealing with 63 scholarships 
at the FCS level, you need those guys. Those guys aren't just walk-ons. They're critical parts of your team, but they still want to have that here. They know it's been valuable at Kansas State because you do find guys in this state because of the rules of the high school association that develop later than you see in Texas and Florida and Ohio and New Jersey and California and places where you can actually play football during football season. It's kind of a weird concept. (laughs) Also from KNED, at many schools, walk-ons get second-class status. Snyder was famous for a true EMA attitude. How you arrived didn't matter. Uh, whoever deserved to play did so. Do you think Coach Kleiman will take the same I-don't-care-how-you-arrived approach? I, yes. Absolutely, yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen anything different. I mean, no. Yeah, these guys are going to be treated just the same in every way, you know, unless it's an NCAA violation. So, no, it's a vital, vital part of this program. It'd be, it'd be stupid to not. I mean, I, I, I don't hope, understand. I hope every coach in the country is doing that, right? Like, yeah. Well, but they, some don't. We yeah. had one here when Snyder retired that didn't, who wanted to put class designations. You're a full scholarship. You're preferred walk-on. You're a walk-on. That's three different sets of our society in this locker room. And that's just crap. It's not productive. I don't understand it. But some coaches need to drive wedges in the locker room, try to get some tension, which I think is stupid. He was stupid. Is that why it didn't go well? A lot of reasons. <laughs> Last question of the second half from Kned. Who is the third best quarterback in K-State history? This was the best thread. It went on and on and on. And all of a sudden, someone's talking about Dan Minucci. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan was really good. Well, Okay. It was an interesting discussion because you know, Michael mm-hmm. and you got Colin there and you got to say Colin. But it's like the thing about it is how are you judging the list? Are you judging the list based on who had the best career as a quarterback or are you judging the list best on, based on who is the most talented quarterbacks? Because Josh Freeman was a more talented quarterback than Colin Klein. But Colin Klein was a better quarterback. But I would take a lot of guys over him. Right. In terms of leadership and all that. So it's like, that's what, and and I jumped in on, or like, you know, I when I really got into the thread, it had already been going. I didn't want to jump in there and redirect it. But it's a tough conversation for me to do that because Colin had a lot of success, but he had some flaws too, just in his mechanics and everything like that. So is he? Like, we have to probably say he is the number two, correct? So, I, I approached it this way: if fielding a team and you could pick a Kansas State quarterback from their prime, from their best college days, not what they did in the NFL, from their top gear in college, who would you pick? And I think Michael and Colin come out of that one and two, but for me. Lynn Dickey's clearly three. People forget that he he went to Oklahoma and won. Blew him out. With it, you know, he was just doing things back in that day that weren't done. But then you set aside L. Roberson. Yeah, I was going to say L. That was going to be mine. Well, I'll be honest. You set aside Jonathan Beasley. I don't care what your stinking stats say. That dude was a warrior. His arm was hanging on at Nebraska, and he played. Dude gave everything. Jake Waters. I mean, look, if, if we're going on what you just said there, 
drafting a team of case and you can pick from k-state quarterbacks i don't know if i'd take colin in my top three i'm just being honest with you Mm -hmm. i'd take michael i would take josh freeman based on the the potential and the talent alone he was a first round nfl draft pick quarterback and then there's guys like Lynn Dickey, for example, that I can't speak to enough. I just yeah. I don't know. You know, Steve Grogan was a warrior. You know, he played a lot a lot of years in the NFL, but I don't know. He wouldn't be in my top three. Dan Minucci was a good person to point out. He, too, was a really productive college quarterback. There was football before Bill Snyder. They didn't win as many <laughs> games as you'd like, but there were some really good players. And I think recency bias steps into this a lot. I mean, it's it's hard to judge generations of any sport, basketball, football. It doesn't matter. The game evolves. The game changes. The number of games played changes. The stats get skewed. It's hard, hard, hard. But I just know for the guys that I'm aware of and have seen highlights of or seen in person, I'm going to go into the big game with Bishop Klein or Dickey. I'll go Bishop Freeman, Roberson. It's amazing. Good list. Zach? Yeah, I think it's the same. Same? Yeah. And Jake Waters is a very close fourth. I'm biased to I Jake just, Waters. I like Jake Waters, but I don't calling it. him calling him even top five in history is just tough. It's not. It's yeah. too recent. I, don't, I know. I'm I, biased. Yeah, I think that's exactly. He won some big games and did some nice things, but I think. So damn accurate. When you start adding in everyone, you're like, man, there's some quarterbacks. That was just on a wing. If I sat down and really thought about it, I could maybe come up with something else. It's fun. I feel like from the last 10 years, it's easy to say, yeah. We should should do some more discussions. Everybody go start some more discussions about that kind of stuff. Who was the seventh best kicker (laughs) in 2001? Because I think they used six of them. You can always throw in the uh, the best punters argument because even when they were really bad, they had great punters. Because if you're a punter, you go to the school that can't get first downs. I'm back in the game. <laughs> Unless you forget to go out on the field. Oh, that would never happen. Why would you say that? Nobody. That would never happen. Oh, that's been the PowerCat Podcast. The questions variety will be back on Friday with your overtime, a little fun time on Friday. We hope uh, we covered a lot of ground here. Not a ton of questions, so we bit off that entire first segment on Cartier Jada. We love the kid. We we know what he can be. He's just not in a good place right now, and we'll see if he can shake it off and kind of you know get back on track, so to speak. We'll talk to you real soon. You've been listening to the PowerCat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.